You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. All right, well, let's do it. Alice, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I have been an Instagram stalker of yours for a little while um, and obviously followed Pandemonium and I am super interested in the work you do, um, especially now being a little bit regional myself. Um, So love hearing stories from other regional businesses. Um, But I, I always like to kick things off with a bit of context for anyone who is tuning in. How did you get here? So did you always have a business? When did you start the business? Did you have a career beforehand? What's kind of the journey? Sure. I think I've always been quite entrepreneurially minded. Um, I remember as a kid roping my next door neighbours in to selling kumquats on the side of the road. (laughs) Thinking that they were mandarins, but they were not actually mandarins. (laughs) We did the whole, like, I was, like, probably being, like, a real bitch (laughs) and, like, making everyone do all the things that I wanted to. They had to be packaged really nicely and we made up this whole song that we sang on the side of the road to, like... (laughs) Like your jingle for concourse. Going to embarrass myself by... um, giving everyone a revival of that tune but yeah I think I've just I've always just had the ideas and this drive Mm -hmm. to be like I see this thing why is no one else doing this thing even if it turns out to be a terrible idea I guess I've I've always been like that um yeah I guess I'm country's kid I'm a, a country kid I'm a farmer's daughter um I have three brothers I'm the oldest, so again, the bossy, the bossy vibes. Um, but like most ambitious country kids, um, really never felt like I had any alternative but to get out of town, go to the city. I always thought I would be a doctor because I always thought that that was the epitome of success and the epitome of um proving how intelligent I was in some ways. (laughs) When I was at uni, uh, I did like an undergrad medical science degree. I was living in Sydney and I came across this thing called investment banking and realised that that was way, way more fun. Yes, way cooler. Yes. Way cooler. 
I fell in love with a boy who worked in that space and I was doing a bit of work for a guy who was a serial entrepreneur, literally. Mm -hmm. I was his absolute shit kicker, but I was really exposed to, like he was an angel investor. He worked really closely with the startups that he supported and my mind was just blown about this thing and it was, you know, like very much the height of tech and startup culture kind of really emerging as this thing. Um, I know that Silicon Valley has been cultivating that for a really long time, Mm -hmm. but it was a really hot time to be in that industry. And, yeah, I finished uni, have never, ever done anything with my science degree since other than one could argue it's where I get my very process-driven and analytical thing for thing. Well, that never goes astray in business, so maybe not just a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still make some weird chemical compounds, but don't <laughs> Very often. You're our go-to if we ever need it. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, not really something I implement in my day-to-day life. Nice. Um, and, yeah, I just, I started working in the space. Um, yeah, the boy I fell in love with started a brokerage firm with a few other guys, some fantastic, fantastic small team um, where we were brokering money for startups, most of them in the financial tech space, mm-hmm. and then supporting their commercialization as they launched. And I guess it was such like an insane time in that industry. There was so much money moving. Yeah, there was seven of us in that team and we raised $310 million in two years. It was crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, and I That's guess unreal. it was- To me, that time has really laid the foundation for my, a lot of my experience, a lot of my knowledge Mm -hmm. and a lot of my understanding of what it means to build an agile business and to really meet the needs of the market. Yes. Um, And just really understand stakeholder management and why that is so important. Mm. So many different layers. Um, and then, yeah, that business was acquired and we, like, this bubble that we were all living in just popped very, very suddenly. I think a lot of us thought that that would be our life for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I really struggled with that a little bit as well because I was just, like, uh, also the safety net of the team that I was working with. Yeah. I worked yeah. Very closely. Um and yeah but quite naturally I just got consultancy work from our network mm-hmm. um, and yeah ran very successful consultancy business for a few years just myself and then just bringing in um yeah other people when that was necessary um yeah and I guess got to a point where I had this really big healthy business and it was kind of everything that I thought it could possibly be, but I kind of hated it. Yeah. I guess you kind of get to that thing where it's just like you reach the summit and you're like, oh, I'm not all up here and I'm tired and it's not really all it's cracked up to be, I guess. And um, Or it's somebody else's definition of success. Yes. 
so what happened then? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Like, I this think it's like a mental yeah. breakdown moment. <laughs> oh my God. There's been so many mental breakdowns oh, yeah. this time. I just made, <laughs> just skipped over them a little bit. Perfect. I think I understood because one, like I had a big client who was a huge part of my business and it was just absolutely horrible to deal with I think Mm. the more disillusioned I was getting with that space the more I think it also happened with in conjunction with me just getting a bit older and wanting to not be all over the place all of the time where I coincidentally was being exposed to a couple of people who were doing extraordinary work in a very different way Mm. Um, in a very different way to what we think tech and startup culture should be. Who are these Um, people? What were they doing? (laughs) Yeah, they're all very, very cool. Um, So it did, it led me to publish our book in 2020 where I just had this harebrained idea and I asked my beautiful, beautiful friend if he wanted to do it with me and then both of us were trying to tour around Australia. Uh, Yeah, in 2020 which was a very difficult thing. timing that's really good timing yeah. literally our first trip was the last week our first scheduled trip was the last week of February we got that one in and then pretty much nothing else happened oh like my it. god um but we got there in the end and I just I loved the process I still mm-hmm. have full pelt with all of my consultancy work Mm. um I was very tired and very stressed um and it was really tricky it was one of the trickiest things to have self-published as you're also familiar that process is not necessarily very easy Um, (laughs) but I think people really liked it it was really it was really well received I was really happy with it looks gorgeous like it's apps it's an absolutely gorgeous book thank you so much um but then I didn't really know what to do next um in 2021 I thought I was going to have a sabbatical for a year it took me far too long to break up with my clients that I had Hmm. I thought that would be an easy process it was very messy and it was very stressful and it was almost way more stressful than actually having them. And I struggled to let go. Mm. Um, And uh, it was really difficult. At this point, I hadn't really really decided to do the paper. I just really needed a break. Yeah. And, yeah, life has this way of throwing us curveballs that we really didn't know that we needed but um someone very close to me died very tragically um mm-hmm. in that time and I was see I'm gonna try not to cry oh my god <laughs> you can to, um yeah you when I was trying wine to break those clients um and they were pretty horrible about it so I think that was the like kick in the pants I needed to be like I really don't have to have anything to do with you and don't want anything to do with you. And all I wanted to do was be with my family, which I Mm. am very grateful that I was able to do that. I think I acknowledge that um, 
it was a very privileged position to be in to be able to um yeah essentially just drop everything and yeah be at home with the people that I loved through that time um, I think that- that's such an amazing thing just to kind of put a pin in a little bit because I feel like sometimes we have these grand visions for our business and exactly what you said, we just hustle, hustle, hustle. We reach the summit and we're so fucking miserable. We've built this trap for ourselves. And I feel like then when horrible things happen in life and they look like a myriad of different things, we kind of go, holy shit, I built this trap and it's so hard for me to do the things that I need to do as a human being. So being in the position where you could actually make that decision is, is amazing. Yeah. And um, again, I'm, I'm just so grateful that I was able to do that. And I think in a lot of ways, all of my hard work paid off and maybe that that was enough. Yeah. all of the tricky things and all of the Mm. lack of sleep and the stress and anxiety, if I had to do all of those things again so that I could have the chance to to have that freedom when I really needed it, I was very appreciative. And I think sometimes you don't know, though. Like I think... Sometimes you need to go through that, you know, you need to, you need to go through the stress, the taking on shit clients, the changing your mind, you know, the, the world changes, the market changes. It really does help you, I think, figure out what you want your business to look like. Yeah. And I think uh, people might not agree with me, but I think if you have any kind of service-based business, mm. I just, 80 to 90% of figuring out your business is figuring out boundaries and how. Yes. Oh my God. Them. Boundaries about how you deliver work, boundaries about how you engage with your clients, mm. about how much you charge, and all of those things. Um, and boundaries are not something that you learn. They're things you, you have to learn that the hard way, I think, yeah. um, which is quite unfortunate. <laughs> I know. And it's really like, um, it's interesting. I'm literally like writing pricing down on a post. note. you've just <laughs> sparked something inside my head. Thank you. Raising prices. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh my um, God. But it is so true. Like, and I think it, it's really interesting because there's so many like courses out now, like you can learn anything on the internet that you need to know. But still, every person in business I know doesn't value themselves, takes on too much work, like eats crap for a long time before somebody has to go, yo, stop it. (laughs) You know, value yourself, put your prices up, set boundaries. I love that you raised that point. And so unfortunately, usually we have to have a really like, shatteringly horrible experience before we assess that yeah Uh, you know uh it's like you would never put up with oh my god yeah you were dating someone and they behaved the way that your clients behave you would dump them in five seconds you'd be like that guy is an absolute loser I'm never ever going near him ever again totally Uh, it's it's a weird money thing I reckon it's like When we, yeah, when we're like starting out, we kind of go, I need to, anyone that says, yes, they'll pay me, I I need to take them on. And, you know, I need to charge what I think I'm worth, not 
you know, not what I think they'll pay, not what I'm actually worth. You know, like it's a really funny thing that we do for ourselves because you're so right. If we were in a relationship, we'd be so quick to, you know, meet up with our girlfriends and be like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. You know, we need a support group for female females in business. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good this is therapy. And talks to the person on their left and says, put a zero on your pricing. I promise you, you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So I don't even know you and I know that we need you need yeah. to do that. Yes. I don't, do, I don't know how much it is. I know you're undercharging. <laughs> yes. Oh, but that's amazing. It is the dichotomy of being in a small business or being a freelancer, a, cons- a consultant, whatever that looks like. Mm. You, yeah, you are always struggling with that, I think. Always struggling to try and deliver more for less value. But at the end of the day, it's a complete disservice to yourself and to your client if you don't have the ability to really deliver. I have been doing it in some way, shape, or form, literally like since I was at uni and Mm -hmm. I still really struggle with it I think particularly now because I still run my consultancy business just in a very different way well Well, I I know you do mentoring is that how it looks now well I still have clients um that I work with very closely so yeah um not trying to get ahead of myself but pandemonium is my little baby uh uh our media outlet, but also Native House is my consultancy business that still lives and breathes and exists. And I will come back to that in a little bit because it's really interesting how that's kind of re-emerged in Mm. a much healthier way. Um, But, yeah, we do also offer mentoring through Pandemonium as kind of a, a way to make my knowledge and my experience accessible to someone who's just starting out I guess yeah yeah not necessarily having to have me um like on retainer like Mm. people in my consultancy business I guess that's kind of what the paper is all about in a way I think a lot of people anyone who doesn't feel like the life they're living is really what they want to be doing. I think um, that's why I kind of frame it as being outside the traditional metropolitan mould is the kind of people that we we feature and the kind of audience that we're cultivating because that speaks to so many different people, mm-hmm. um, whether you live regionally or if you live met in a metropolitan area. Everyone, you know, we're trying to speak to those people who feel like they don't quite fit and they're just trying to push the bounds of what their life looks like. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think I am a really strong advocate that, especially from my own experience as a regional kid and having lost my cousin Nicholas, I think very similarly, uh, you know, we really struggle to imagine a life for ourselves if it doesn't fit into this very prescribed mould. Mm. And I'm just trying to shake that up a little bit. So, yeah, I guess that led me to launch the paper. Um, I think that is incredible because I, um, so my story in three seconds, did corporate for a decade, 
met someone, started a business, then went down this rabbit hole of, of business. And I think I learned what business was from everyone external, books, media, and I built a business I hated. <laughs> and so I absolutely love that your driver is to show a different side of the story because it took me a decade, another decade of doing business in a crap way to realize that that's not the life that I wanted for myself. Yeah. And I think so. So yeah, the pandemonium paper, we have a quarterly physical newspaper where that is all we do is just write stories about, um, thought leadership in that space of just mm. pushing the bounds of whether that's in your own business, if it's in your own life, if it's in your own community. Um, you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur or a business owner to mm. be interested in reading the publication. Yeah. And all of our content is hosted online. I just genuinely believe that people should be able to access that content for free if they want to. But, you know, the paper's only $6.80, so... So you can spring for it, <laughs> trade your cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes absolutely. Yes. And yeah, exactly that. I think we're not necessarily um, pushing a particular narrative or a particular way of doing or being. It's more look at these incredible people that mm. you probably already are familiar with or you might have never heard of them ever before. Mm. And here is a lens into their own life, their own challenges and how they have got to where they are really. Mm. Uh, or, you know, just breaking down some of the barriers to these things that we potentially could want our lives to look like and be like, you know, you could actually do that thing. Um, and your idea might be different to the idea of the person that you're reading about or the business that they've built. Mm. Um, but hopefully you'll garner some inspiration and maybe some actual practical advice about how to make that happen, I guess. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned that people who are not necessarily going to be business owners actually get value from it as well because I think that there is a real movement around people wanting to support local support, regional, and it is difficult not to, I guess, get the Woolworth story, you know, like the, the big chain story is everywhere. And I love championing local. I love championing regional because they are people with amazing ideas and really unique products and services. So yeah, absolutely love that. I also think that in a lot of ways, if you're not a business owner and just an engaged human who wants to learn interesting stuff, we're yeah. moving so far away from, as you say, that Woolworths narrative or that fast fashion narrative or whatever you want that to look like. Mm. And, uh, you know, not wanting to make this about COVID because I feel like we have so many narratives around that. But it has been a real disruptor, particularly in this space of yeah. both people reevaluating their lives, but also really reevaluating the way that they consume things. Mm. And I guess you will never beat a marketing strategy that is built around building a connection with a product or a service. 
of yes. person. And I think for a lot of the people we profile, that's also something that we can offer for them as well is giving them a helping hand to speak well about their work, show them how they how important some great photographs can be. Mm. And I think, yeah, for a lot for a lot of us in our own businesses, it is so, so difficult to build that really strong brand narrative about what you actually do and how to portray that both visually and in writing. And I hope that that is also a gift that I can give for people who are really trying to make their fantastic businesses work as well. It's just be like, here's a little token of appreciation. Um, yeah, and I guess don't want to get too into it, but also just trying to build a really progressive business model around what the paper looks like so there's strong value exchanges for everyone who's involved in just, um, yeah, I don't want to say cultivate a community because that feels... Yeah. <laughs> We're using that phrase a little bit too much these days, aren't we? It oh, is. Okay. I, I will hold you there, though, because... I am a little bit obsessed with communities at the moment. I think that, that we might be, and I guess because I come from influencer marketing background, like that's all about like digital communities and kind of obviously in the spark realm, it's all about female founder communities. And then as I kind of do a bit of research into like NFT, Web3 space, it all feels like these online communities. So I kind of think like if you're not focused on, like you said, that personal connection and creating a community in some capacity, you might be missing the point. I agree. I do really agree. And I think for us, uh, I have been absolutely blown away with the success of the paper since we launched in February. Um, but even just the bare bones of the people that follow us on Instagram, hmm. the quality and the alignment of the people that are finding us mm. it just astonishes me every day and I guess you could say we're building a community in that way and that is <laughs> resonating with people I think um you know but at the end of the day if someone who is feeling isolated is feeling like they don't fit in this mold that they're supposed to can engage in our content and either feel a little less alone or just ever so slightly inspired, mm. take that leap of faith into the road less travelled, then we've done a good job. Oh, my God. And I think it is a testament to the work that you do and the quality of the content that you create that these people are finding you um, because it is incredible. And, and you're spot on. I um, I think about, you know, small businesses we talk to. I think about the businesses that I'm meeting here now that I'm a little bit more regional and that that marketing now, that that the creation of the content, the copy, the how to communicate this, like they do amazing things, but the communicating of it is really difficult. And I love that you have gone, well, that's the thing I'm awesome at. So let me bring that to you. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I also think you can never, ever, ever underestimate when you get your foot in the door and contribute to a regional community, how much that community will give back to you. Mm. It is amazing how much, like you just, you cannot beat it when you can 
engage with the real true sense of what community is, how valuable that is for your business. Yeah. Because we always come back to you in spades. And no, it just comes back to you just when it comes to community, be generous and just try and just think about each individual in front of you and how you can deliver something meaningful to them mm. for no other reason than you feel like you can help them in some way. And I think that is an immense power that people are yet to truly understand about what it means to move out of the city and the opportunities that exist for startups and for founders is that regional communities will go above and beyond. If you can, if you really genuinely show up in their community and offer value and if people can understand what it is that you are doing, they will show up and support you in ways that you never even knew was a thing. I recently reach out to me and tell me that she had done um, a research paper at university about pandemonium. Stop it. Never spoken to her before. But I know her. Like um, I know her. She lives in the same community that I live in. Uh, oh I have befriended her and now I want to keep her forever. <laughs> that is awesome though because it's really interesting because sometimes I feel like it's really easy to get discouraged. You're like sitting in your home office, super isolated, just putting out, doing the work, doing the things. And you kind of go to you 50 times a day and you're like, Oh my God, I hate my life. <laughs> really? Like, what am I even doing? Like, is this even a thing? And then out of nowhere, someone will be like, oh yeah, I've been like, like obsessing over you for years and I've done this thing. And you're like, okay, people just don't always tell you the good things. <laughs> oh, because that's incredible. They, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the point is that those are also the kinds of things that we're trying to highlight where it's just like, did you actually know that you can do this thing? Mm. Um, I think a lot of people don't. Just as many, almost just as many papers are going into metropolitan areas than they are into regional ones. Oh, that's cool. There's definitely a lot of aspirational readers as well. Ones you don't necessarily need to want to like upheaval your whole life Mm. and to go and live in the middle of nowhere to enjoy what we're producing Hmm. but I just think it's amazing as well like us city folk um also like being in a country like Australia where we have such strong regions you know where there are like obviously mining minerals resources is a huge part of Australian lifestyle but as a city person so I lived in Brisbane my whole life up until six months ago um I didn't know anything about regional towns so I love that as someone living in the city I can tap into these stories of all of these people that are actually like contributing to making Australia an awesome place to live. And you have to be resourceful when you don't live in this, in yeah. any sense of the word. I think we've also found out our real kind of sweet spot for those, you know, progressive thinkers who have moved out of the city. Also mm-hmm. the progressive thinkers who are living in regional Australia and not necessarily feeling really connected to 
this thing that really drives them. But, mm. you know, a lot of our audience is in Tasmania. I lived there for two years in Hobart. I just I miss it every day. That mm. The culture that has evolved there from a lot of people moving down there with these fantastic ideas and being like, we can afford to live here and do the thing that we love. Mm. And we tell our corporate jobs to go and get stuffed because we don't need that wage to live anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously life is not free when you move to Tasmania. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, cheese is expensive and it's very good down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss cheese. I miss yeah. cheese, yes. That's well. Oh, um, <laughs> There are a lot of things I miss about the city that can be delivered to your door. That's right. You just have to get super savvy about um, online delivery sometimes. Uh, one of my great mates uh, when I first, yeah, I was living in Melbourne in 2019 and came home in 2020 and for a couple of months and then, of course, we know what happens after that. Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blanks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of my great friends who was like so worried about me moving back to the sticks where for a year after I moved home he delivered me a box like an assortment of natural wines from my favorite wine shop oh my god every month every month I got a delivery from him of like these natural uh, wines who is this person we need him in all of our lives <laughs> he's amazing uh but I guess it's just you know if you have some people around you who can inspire you to really think about how you can you know take on the challenge and just try you know it's really it's really not that scary um it's immensely scary but um you know I also believe that people should um, be very practical about some of the things that they do and not necessarily take this major leap, but maybe like build the cord of the parachute and then jump and the rest <laughs> of the parachute will appear. Uh, That's what I did. So I was like, okay, I know I'm going to be like total culture shock. So I'm like, I know myself, I lived so I lived in Fish Lane in Brisbane, which is this gorgeous little laneway, bars, restaurants. I was on it every day. And I was like, okay, so I know I'm going to struggle moving to a regional town. Um, I live in Kalgoorlie right now, for anyone who doesn't know. And I, so I made an emergency kit. <laughs> I was like, okay, what are all the things that I love that is so easy to get that I know if I have, because we also came at Christmas, so we had to do two weeks um, quarantine. And also because we had to beat the border closures, our stuff didn't arrive until a week into quarantine. So we had to camp in a house for a week before our stuff arrived. So I was like, okay, I'm in for a rough ride for like the first month or two. So I literally like went, what is all of my favorite stuff? Like what's all the skincare I use? What's the wine I like? What's this? What's that? And I put it all together. So I was like, okay, at least for the first month or two, you're not going to go without anything. And you can spend that time exploring once we did quarantine you can kind of go find your favorite coffee shop find your favorite pub find the little gift shop like and I think the challenge with regional areas is it takes discovering 
you really kind of have to put in the work to find the stuff or find people who will give you all the recommendations. It's not like um, in Brisbane, you just look it up on Instagram and you find the latest restaurant to go to or something like you, you really kind of have to get into the town. But I think discovery is a great term because we should all be at least trying yes. to be discovering things all of the time. Yes. I think it also is great no matter where you live to be trying to discover things. True. I know that's very true. Vague and mystical. No, I totally agree. I totally but, agree. You know, um, this might seem like a bit of a tangent, but uh, this weekend I'm going away. I used to do it all the time because I used to just be so burnt out and so stressed and, like, my brain would break. Um, <laughs> I would, like, book myself a really nice place to stay for, like, three or four days and turn my phone off and just, mm. like, remember what happens in my brain. When, oh, my God, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> like, um, so I'm doing it this weekend and... Mm. This completely, like, that is the perfect example to me of what it means to remember that you need to discover something sometimes. Mm. Whether that is, and I think for me personally, um, putting me in one, taking me from one space and putting me in another space Mm. is so helpful. But I think we can trigger that in ourselves in lots of different ways. When I lived in Tasmania, there would be a point where I had to get off the island and a lot of us used to like talk about this thing where it's like it's time for you to get off the island for a little while like that. <laughs> take that $80 flight to Melbourne just like be somewhere go, where go be amongst the people for a minute yeah <laughs> somewhere where someone might accidentally push you for a minute yeah <laughs> um, be in a really loud restaurant that annoys you like mm. um Remember why you moved here. Remember why you love this. <laughs> oh, it's just perspective that helps yeah. you keep all of the other things into perspective. And I think um, we can sometimes really lose perspective very easily in our day-to-day lives. And, yeah, rediscover the perspective. That's probably the mm. what I'm trying to actually say is just... Um, oh, and I just... So- no matter where you're at is to remind yourself that that perspective is necessary I mean we all wish that we were on the other side of the world like getting that perspective on a cobble beach in Italy but that's not very it can literally be like turn your phone off Mm. what is this like novel you've been wanting to read and like go and be outside in a park somewhere something that you normally wouldn't do Mm. um go to a gallery go to the opening of some weird event in the weird town you happen to be at because you never know who you will meet but it's also just good for our brains totally And I I love even that you said, um, you know, go to the opening of a weird place in a weird town they're in because I think like we forget to appreciate where we are 
You know, I think we get so stuck in our routines that we, even if you live in a big city, you stop trying the new restaurants, you stop trying the new things. I love that idea of discovery um, anywhere that you are. Yeah. And hopefully that's what the paper can also do. Oh my God. That was the world's best segue. (laughs) Now that you just come to me, I was not trying to make that work. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I guess it does really kind of um, solidify what I'm trying to do is kind of inspire that in people um, in lots of different ways, I suppose. That is absolutely incredible. So I'm just trying to think, like this conversation has been fucking amazing. I, I'm like, I just want to see, I've literally got a post-it note full of things that I've written down from what you've said. So let's leave it there. But I'd love to, so your journey has been amazing. So going from, you know, being part of the founding team of a massive, you know, brokerage VC, having that experience, um, you know, regional to, to big city life, um, the consulting gig, the book, the paper, like you've done a lot, let's be real. So, and I know you champion people's stories in business. Is there any piece of advice that you might give somebody who was wanting to start something, you know, was kind of in that, in that space of not really happy where I am right now, whether it's a corporate job, whether it's a business that they've created, you know, what's maybe a piece of advice for somebody who's, who's ready to take a bit of a leap? Slide into my DMs and I'll give you some really unsolicited advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> my favourite thing to do. Um, I think there are, okay, there are a few things. Mm. You have to take the leap at some point, but the leap is very scary and it is hard. Mm. But this is maybe also a little bit of a tangent, but the name pandemonium comes from this really old concept this guy John Milton he wrote an epic poem like 400 pages long a few hundred years ago and speaks about how pandemonium is the city at the depths of hell and oh my god okay heaven is this thing that we're supposed to aspire for and this whole epic poem is about circling the depths of hell doing all the really hard stuff and in the end you reach pandemonium which is more extraordinary and fantastic than anything you ever could have possibly imagined oh my god take the leap is the point of the story wow it's really hard so I yeah my number one piece of advice is take the leap because I think in 98% of situations in Australia, we are so privileged Mm. and so well supported and employment rates are so low. In most situations, I am definitely like have a good financial safety net, be smart about it. But in most situations, you are going to be fine. Yeah. If it doesn't work out. Totally. And also there's no, there's no like nothing wrong with taking, putting one foot in and like keeping your job and taking the leap. Like, I think that there's, 
there's ways you can do it to take the leap. Like you said, build a quarter of the parachute. (laughs) But also I think uh, that comes to my next point, which I think is you really want to make sure your idea is actually valid and you are never going to figure that out unless you put yourself in some really uncomfortable situations to get some feedback Mm. from people who are knowledgeable or from the market. But sometimes the best feedback is the feedback you don't agree with and you want to push forward anyway and prove that person wrong. So that feedback is also very helpful. I think it's a, it's a fine line between knowing this is not going to work, but also sometimes you just need a little bit of validation mm. and someone really get it. And I think a good example of that is for me, I was... We launched the paper and someone else launched a regional paper at a similar kind of time. And in the very early days of pandemonium, people just didn't really get what the difference was. Mm. And to me, it really fueled the fire for me to push really hard and Mm. prove how different we were. And I think our success from them from then has really shown um, that that's the case Uh, (laughs) excellent (laughs) I think uh yeah and also you if you are looking in the right places you will never be in short supply of very smart people who are willing to help you Mm, I love that and always reach out like don't be afraid of the no, but it's always going to be a no if you don't try. Mm. I don't necessarily think it's great to involve yourself in communities that are really supportive, but you don't necessarily need to find one person who has all of the answers. Mm. Learn from people and reach out to people. And um, I'm generally sometimes quite socially anxious and socially awkward so I hate it even now like it has been my life for such a long time to just reach out to people ask them for help pitch my ideas to them I still hate it but I hate it until it's fruitful Mm. and then oh my god this was so so silly um sometimes you get hilariously strange responses from people and you just got to let it go but the more people you reach out to, the less offensive it's going to be, no matter what their response is. Yes. So, yeah, I guess those are my three pieces of advice. Um, take the strategically. Make sure you can um, eat and be fiscally responsible. Yes. Um, yeah, and you have to put yourself in vulnerable positions to get really honest feedback from people. Mm. Whether you take that under advisement or you use that to feel yourself to prove people wrong Mm -hmm. you gotta walk that fine line and the third being yeah reach out to people and ask them for help in a genuine way and most of that most of the time it comes from garnering their knowledge I think People are always willing to answer. Well, that's not true. People are most of the time willing to engage and answer your questions or give you some advice whether you want to take it or not. Totally. Or even like at worst nudge you in the right direction. 
which sometimes that never goes astray as well. Yeah. Alice, you are incredible. Thank you so much for spending your time with the Spark community. I, as I said, I've got a post-it note full of things I have to go and do right now and reevaluate my life choices. But <laughs> no, but it was so incredible. And I, um, I know everybody listening in to this episode would would have gotten an immense amount of value from your honesty and your vulnerability. So I cannot thank you enough for being here and spending your time with us. Thank you so much for having me. I only cried once. Oh, look. Like- no. <laughs> oh my God. I Look, it's incredible. And I think it is the, it, the thing that makes you incredible as well is your willingness to do that, your willingness to tell it how it is, even though it sucks, because that is going to help somebody else out in business. And I am really grateful on behalf of Spark for you. My absolute pleasure. No, oh, cheers. You're the best. <laughs> That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.